it's episode 31 of Aaron and Patricia. My name is Aaron. My name is Patricia. And are you amazed I finally remember what episode number we're up to? Uh, we're up to the 30s, I think. Well, yeah, you're amazed I actually remember, I remembered. <laughs> yes, I know, right? Yeah. So one thing I struggle with this series of uh, episodes we do. And by the way, uh, this is actually going to be probably the last of the Aaron and Patricia series, at least on this feed anyway, because uh, guess what's coming back on Wednesday? Uh, what is that? The Aaron Meta Show. Ooh, yay! yay. And uh, to kick it all off, we're going to be kicking it off with the Hey Arnold Anniversary Show with our very good friend, Craig Barlett. And so um, we are going to be asking him all sorts of Hey Arnold questions, and also uh, it will be streamed on Twitch. So uh, Awesome. We'll let everybody know about it. So uh, that will be releasing, hopefully, on Tuesday evening. So uh, we will be releasing it uh, at the time when, uh, obviously, uh, everyone will be excited for uh, Wednesday, when it finally gets officially released. So uh, you'll get a preview of the episode on the on the Tuesday evening, and uh, so we'll let you all know about that. And uh, then, obviously, uh, just check out uh, Twitter and check out Instagram and check out uh, uh, Tumblr as well for more information in regards to when it's going to get released. But anyway, enough about that. Uh, we are going to go straight into our episode. Uh, so coming up today, we've got some more election news. Uh, also, we've got some uh, Animaniacs uh, reboots. Is going to be going, going to be having a new theme song. Uh, Pixar's Onward is finally released on Disney Plus here in the UK. Uh, we've got a preview also of the 2020 Hey Arnold Anniversary Show with Craig Bartlett. And also, there's a rumor going around that there's going to be a new movie starring another fair, famous Hanna-Barbera uh, intellectual property. We'll be telling you more about that. Uh, the Lion King is going to be setting up with a with a sequel uh, with uh, Moonlight director going to be taking involved. We'll tell you who that is, and also uh, we have got a, a rival, I guess, to uh, the infamous PragerU uh, YouTube channel, and so uh, we'll, we'll tell you more about that. You are listening to uh, Aaron and Patricia on the fourth of uh, October, twenty twenty. So, Patricia, before we go any further, do you want to tell everybody what's going on on the Old School Lane podcast? Yes. So, uh, as you guys know, uh, just a few days ago, I posted up the Mario podcast that I had up a week ago on Anchor and Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's up on YouTube, so go check it out. But one of the biggest announcements, and I don't think anybody was expecting me of saying this, but um, I have officially announced that I am going to be the moderator of the as told by Ginger, 20th anniversary virtual reunion stream. And that'll be going on on Sunday, October 25th at 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 12 noon Pacific Standard Time. Now, for those who know about my work for the longest time, I did a podcast called We're In Between alongside with Casey Reed and Ashley Wittenkeller from the Friday Night Nicktoons podcast. And we looked back on every episode of As Told by Ginger. And we interviewed a lot of the cast and crew. And um, we briefly talked about in the last episode that we wanted to do a, a reunion. And so I've been trying to work on a reunion for the past two years, but then the, you know, well, what did you call it? The Backstreet Boys reunion tour? Or the something? Backstreet Boys reunion tour, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, because that happened, um, you know, all of those plans of meeting up physically kind of, you know, went down the drain. And so we thought, hey, why don't we have a uh, virtual uh, reunion? And so. Um, confirmed for coming into the show are going to be Melissa Disney, the voice of Ginger Foutley, uh, Aspen Vincent, the voice of Dodie Bishop, Jackie Harris Greenberg, the voice of Macy Lightfoot, Ken Michael, the voice of Darren Patterson, um, David Jeremiah, the voice of Dr. Dave, uh, Candy Milo, the voice of Mrs. Gripling, Liz Georges, the voice of Courtney Gripling, 
and uh, some new guests that I've never had on the show, such as Liz, um, such as um, Hope Levi, which is who is the voice of Chet Zipper, uh, Justin Cowden, who is the voice of Orion, and probably the biggest one that was a shock to me because I got the message about a few days ago and I posted it. Lorraine Newman of Saturday Night Live fame uh, who's going to be coming into the show and she played as Lois Foutley. So we got a lot of other guests that are I'm still waiting for them to be confirmed, but um, I am super excited about it. And I have uh, somebody that is going to be helping me with tech. Uh, I don't know what his name is, but, you know, he's he's there. Uh, no, I'm kidding. It's, Ed, it's you, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, um, I heard he's all right. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, you know, uh, just good. just to uh, you know tell you how big this thing actually is. Um, the Aaron Meta show for, for a number of years ago, we actually tried to uh, organize a Hey Arnold reunion um, uh, panel uh, on at MCM Comic Con a long a long time ago, and it just never happened. For this to happen, this is pretty huge. Uh, I've got to be I've got to be honest with everybody about that. So. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of nervous. Now, here's the thing: like, you, you don't be, be nervous, babe. You're gonna be great. Everyone knows you're gonna be great. Yeah, I know, and I shouldn't be because you know I did something similar to this when I did the um the last episode. What are the last episodes of Or in Between? And so, um, it's like, oh, you know, you're you're gonna you know interview all these people. That's not what I'm nervous about. I'm just nervous about that, you know, it's going to be live stream in front of a whole bunch of people. And, you know, I'm, I'm worried about like, oh, you know, am I going to be good enough to, you know, like. You're going to be fine, it? babe. You know, I, I, I have faith in you. Oh, thanks. I really do appreciate it. But yeah, uh, Sunday, October 25th, 2020 uh, at uh, 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 12 uh, noon Pacific Standard Time, the As Told by Ginger uh, 20th Anniversary Virtual Reunion live stream. So hopefully we'll see you there. Everybody check it out. It's going to be good. So. Yeah, and it's, it's actually funny because um, when I posted up my uh, announcement video, like in less than a day, I had just gotten 30 subscribers well um everyone's looking forward to it you know like uh, it's it's gonna be brilliant and uh, no doubt all the sold by ginger fans are gonna really gonna appreciate it so yeah and, and that's great because um I, I mentioned this many times over the past eight years that you know out of all the shows that came out of nickelodeon you know people always talk about the greats like rugrats or spongebob or avatar or the loud house but as told by ginger was never really brought up as like one of the de facto nicktoons i've i've made a made a ton of videos and i did a lot of podcasts discussing about why i feel it's one of the most um underrated shows ever featured on nickelodeon in my opinion it's the most underrated nicktoon ever made so the fact that it's like one of those shows that has a cult following and, you know, there's going to be a reunion panel, which Nickelodeon never even attempted to do. I mean, they they rarely even post as told by Ginger on, like, Nick Rewind. So it's like, you know what? We need to have the fans come in. And, you know, I felt like, uh, you know, because I've had a connection with the crew and the cast for a few years, it's like... Yeah, we need to do this. We need to do it for the fans. Yeah, well, uh, everybody, it's going to happen this end of the October, and uh, we're going to keep reminding you about it as uh, the day comes by. Yes. Oh, cool. Okay. Now that we got that out of the way, should we talk about the U.S. election? <laughs> we go from something I'm really looking forward to, and then it's like going into like, oh, uh, politics, right? It's uh, oh man, we got we got a lot to say about this. Uh, good grief, my goodness, everybody, has this been a ruckus week? And uh, not here's the thing about this: um, all the political commentators say that once we get to this part of the election, there's always something called the October surprise, and so it could be anything. Anything could happen at this point. Well, apparently, this uh, basically came out of nowhere. Uh, the president of the United States has tested positive for COVID nineteen. And, and you know what? It's like, are you even surprised at this point? I mean, this guy had showed up 
time and time again with all of these rallies, not even wearing a mask, not having social distancing, mocking Joe Biden for wearing a mask. And here he comes having the coronavirus. What a amazing schadenfreude moment. But here's the thing about this, babe. Like, uh, I mean, obviously the rallies have been terrible. I mean, on top of that as well, like they've been barely atten attended as well. Like uh, they basically turn up on a runway. He, so he comes out of Air Force One and there's like a couple of hundred people there. Like, you yep. know, like, uh, they're not, they're not the rallies he was doing f four years ago. Like when he was doing like, like proper stadium rallies, like, you know, like yeah. uh, the one that Tulsa should have been, but obviously only, he could only feel like half the stadium and like the other uh, million obviously disappeared somewhere else. We have no idea where they are, if they even exist or not. But uh, I mean, in regards to um, this, um, I mean, apparently, um, from the story that we're hearing, is that um, obviously you know they had the rose garden ceremony for um, uh, for the who's going to basically be the nominee for the uh, justice on the Supreme Court, which in itself could also be another discussion. But before, you know, before we get bogged down into that, um, apparently because that event had people who were infected. Uh, and were also not wearing masks and other people there as well. Uh, so um, some people are suggesting that's basically where potentially Donald Trump got the virus. Yeah, and now they're calling it the Rose Garden Massacre because at least, up and maybe, possibly, up to 25 people got infected with the virus, including a lot of the politicians who were there. Chris Christie got it, Kevin uh, Kelly Con well, Kelly, Kelly Conway. Con yeah, Kellyanne Conway got it. Um, you know, um, Melina Trump got it. So yeah, like this, this, uh, this moment had really affected a lot of people. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I tell you what, it actually kind of surprised me that Melania Trump got the virus. And I'll explain why, because, I mean, obviously we've seen, we, I mean, we, I'm not sure if we're going to talk about this in our discussion, but do you actually hear the uh, the tape that came out from uh, Melania Trump about uh, how she was uh, angry that apparently her Christmas stuff didn't get covered as much as uh, everything else did, and she kind of like came across as like as, uh, as mean as her husband, basically? So oh, wow. there was that. And so, but, you know, there's been all this speculation for a long time that Melania and Donald Trump's marriage is basically just um, a, a business partnership. You know, basically one, one person gets one thing, one person gets another, and uh, they basically just get like a, a, a trade-off, if you will. That's basically how um, members of, of the of staff from the First Lady's office has, uh, uh, you know, when they've come away, obviously same as Donald Trump, that, uh, you know, they either end up writing books or doing media and then saying, this is basically how uh, what their marriage is like and everything like that. So it surprised me that even Melania Trump would even get the virus because, I mean, again, we don't know who infected her at the end of the day. So there is talk that Hope Hicks was the, uh, the person who came in and basically, you know, sp spread the virus around. But that's just allegations at this point. We don't know exactly what the, the, the situation was. But I was kind of surprised when I heard that Melania was there because I immediately thought, well, hang on a second. I mean, we've been told this entire time that she doesn't have that close of a relationship with Donald Trump. And so, I mean, was Melania's relationship now close enough for her to basically pick up the virus from Trump? I don't know. I don't know. Is yeah, it? that's a good question, because every time you see them together, they, they don't look happy. This presidency is so weird. It, it, it's, it, I mean, obviously, it's frustrating and angry and things like that, but there's just this weirdness to it as well, when you really yeah. think about it. Like, everybody here, look, you think, doesn't socially bind with one another, but apparently, in some cases, somehow they do. 
You know, it's just yeah. like, it's just... And, and, and it's not for love. It's based off of business and profits and money. Oh, yeah. And like, I hate to think, well, it's, uh, you know, Baron Trump thinks about all of this, but we'll, we'll leave him oh. out of it. Yeah, yeah, but we'll yeah. leave him out of it. But uh, in, in regards to um, what we've got here, I mean, this is serious. I mean, we've currently got Donald Trump in a military hospital right now, being having experimental drugs being pumped into him. And uh, there's this denial that he's been on oxygen, but apparently that there's been um, unnamed sources within the White House that have said, oh, yeah, he's been on, he's been on oxygen twice, apparently, because his blood oxygen level basically tanked on, on two occasions, which isn't good. Uh, oh, yeah. in, in, in regards to that, because if, you, if your body's starved of oxygen, you know, something's going to fail. You know, yeah, so. and, and here's, the, here's the thing. Like, the person that I'm concerned of the most that, you know, might not even make it is Chris Christie. Wow. Because if you've, seen, if you've seen Chris Christie, he is a very heavily obese man, and he already suffers from asthma. And mm. as you guys know, you know, people who are already going through sicknesses like asthma or diabetes or heart failure or anything like that, most likely they will pass away because, you know, their bodies can't even take it. I mean, even people they can't even take the virus yeah i mean, uh, no, no, no. like in regards to that i mean for what we know is it basically doubles the risk of you basically passing away if you have that but uh, at the same time i mean like it seems to still be a bit of a, a, a roll of the dice of whether you actually you know you live or die or not from this thing from what from I what i can see which is uh, which makes it even more scary because you know we've had healthy 19 year olds die of this thing Yep, you know, babies like, die of this thing. I mean, we also we had the kids die of this as well, which is you know it's, it's terribly heartbreaking for families. Yeah, breaking, but still exactly. Yeah. And and then you have the other flip of the coin, in which like you have these you know old war veterans who are over one hundred years old, and they were able to combat the virus. Yeah, it just it's uh, it's so yeah. Again, it shows the unpredictability of why, and this is why we need to wear masks. This is why we need to wash our hands, and this is why we need to keep away from one another. Because, you know, like, who, you know, if you get it, who knows what's going to happen to you? That's what makes this whole thing so scary. Yeah, and, and then uh, it's actually funny because Wendy Molyneux, who was uh, one of the writers of Bob's Burgers, um, you know, th there was a question that she was answering. It's like, you know, all of these Republicans were getting sick from the virus. You know, how come we don't hear any news from the Democrats? And then she just quickly replied, because they wear masks, dipshit. <laughs> it's the truth, isn't it? It is, uh, and some of that as well. The Democrats have now announced because of obviously the whole thing with uh, with testing and like that. Apparently, they're going to they're going to uh, publicly tell everybody when someone's going to get tested and what the results are. You know, I I just want to state one more thing. It's like I've been seeing a lot of people posting on social media. It's like you know, oh, you know, he deserved it. You know, he you know he was ill prepared of take of combating the virus. He didn't take it seriously, and now look where he's at now. Yeah, and uh, here's the thing about this: like, uh, I, I you know, in regards to Twitter banning people from saying I hope Donald Trump dies of coronavirus, like, I'm I can totally understand that, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's pretty double standards for Twitter to do that, and that there's people who are like, you know, call, openly calling for like the squad to be killed. You know, like uh, on on Twitter, like uh, it's so it's okay if it's like anybody else on Twitter, but if it's basically directed at the president, apparently you get banned. I mean, obviously that, but in regards to like you know um, threats and things like that being on Twitter, and if people want to throw, it's Twitter want to throw people off their website because you know they they don't like the fact that they're threatening people over on, on over their platform. Then fair enough, you know. But uh, if you're gonna do that, you should do it consistently. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's that to there as well. So, uh, but in regards to Donald Trump, I mean, here's the thing about this. I actually kind of hope he actually gets well and actually fights the election. 
because uh, oh. at the end of the day, like uh, the if he was if he was to pass away from this, not only would it be kind of tragic, you know, for for that, but uh, in regards to all the the horrible stuff that he's done, like uh, there's, uh, the, I mean, if he dies, I mean, if he passes away, that's it. You know, like, uh, you know, no, no, if, if there's any, like, uh, wrong that he's done and he's you know, culpable for it, and, like, as far as I'm aware, there is a, uh, um, a lawsuit that's currently pending on a, a desk in some New York New York office somewhere, uh, from what I understand. Mm. So, I mean, obviously, he doesn't face that because of that. I mean, so, if anything, there's a potential that people are going to be robbed of justice because of this. You I know, don't know. So. so that's basically what makes this whole thing so... Um, so terrible because obviously it's uh, also it's taking uh, you know um, coverage away from the actual election itself, and obviously it's focusing back you know people on back on the the uh, on the coronavirus, and I'm really glad that it's doing that. But uh, at the same time, it's um, it's it's a pretty terrible thing to happen during a during the campaign, at least on the Republican side anyway. Because not only now are some of the senior Republican officials having to isolate themselves for two weeks, but apparently Trump campaign uh, team apparently now are having to do that as well because apparently they've some people tested positive in there for that for that virus so um i mean the the next two weeks is going to be very he's going to be up to turmoil and uh, it doesn't surprise me that you know biden is now going to go on the uh, on the charm offensive and just say hey you know uh, I'll, par- I'll park all these negative ads now and i'll basically just show you know hey tell all of america why you know i should be the one to cover you know combat the coronavirus get the economy running and uh, do everything else so i mean um i know it sounds pretty shitty to say this but unfortunately this is the reality of this is that joe biden's got an open net basically for the next two weeks to try and uh, do something with his his presidential campaign and potentially get himself back into double digits in some of the swing states Mm -hmm. yeah i mean you know i would say that that yeah what you were saying before about the october surprise it's like yeah I mean, there's a reason why it's called that. Surprise! COVID! <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, moving on to the next thing, because we're kind of running... No, that's aside. So, uh, did you watch the presidential debate? I watched bits of it. I watched bits of it, too. Oh, my God. What a dumpster fire that was. Oh, wow. I mean, Saturday Night Live just released um, a skit yesterday about the presidential election, and it was just constant back and forth between Alec Baldwin and Jim Carrey. And it was like, you know, the, you know, uh, Trump interrupting Joe Biden and Joe Biden basically like telling him, oh, you know, uh, here's the clown speaking or something like that. So yeah, I mean, they were just, I, I mean, I remember, uh, did, did you see the tweets that came out of it? Like from all the people like um, uh, Leah Thompson and various others, like uh, um, Mark Hamill saying like, you know, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And I was in this and I was in that. So oh, no, Hamill- he, he, but the thing he basically said though is that so this is the worst thing that I've seen. And, you know, I, and I was in the Star Wars Christmas business since the Star Wars Christmas special. And believe me, everybody, we've seen the Star Wars Christmas special and we yeah. know how terrible it is. So, yeah. uh, I mean, if would we say that what we saw, you know, a couple like a week ago we definitely say that's worse than what we saw for a christmas special i mean at least the christmas special i mean first of all it wasn't it was not even real like what we the presidential election actually happened yeah so well it is happening at the minute so uh i guess i guess it probably is worse but uh, in regards to um the debate itself i mean were we surprised because you know, in the day, all all Donald Trump did was basically just you know, basically was just to talk over Joe Biden and interrupt him like multiple times. I think like seventy five times during the debate. Yeah, just about. about about that time. So I mean, I've already told everybody right right off the bat, Donald Trump can't debate to save his life. 
He has to basically, he can't even stick by the rules of debate. Regards of that. And it's to the point now where the, um, the people who set up the debates now are having to change the rules. Because of this. But mind you, they might even have to have to do that now because um, now that Donald Trump's incapacitated at this point, like, uh, you know, for the next two weeks and uh, can't go anywhere near him. I mean, um, it's either has to be done through video link or uh, they're just going to have to basically just stick with the VPs and just have yeah, to Yeah, I mean, that would be interesting. Mike Pence versus Kamala Harris. Like, yeah. You know, that would be interesting. Do you know what? I think here's the thing about this. I think the VP debates are going to be far more important now than they were, like, you know, for, you know 10, 15 years ago. Don't you, don't you agree? Like, I mean, did you ever look at Obama and thought, oh, hey, he's going to, what if he kills over? What if we're stuck with Joe Biden? You know, that thought never came into our minds, did it? No, no. not even close. But, you know, in this situation, you have, you know, two elderly gentlemen in their 70s. Um, one's, got a horrible, one's got a horrible disease and another one is um, not looking too fresh himself. In regards to that, oh yeah, he, he rides a bike and like he you know, he looks like he's pretty active, but I mean he is co uh, rapidly approaching his eighties at this point, and he doesn't look all that youthful. If you know, if we have to be honest with it, like I mean, um, the, if anything, you know, whether it's Trump or whether it's Biden, the VP is going to be massively important because it's going to be a, a decision of whether you know one of them potentially might keel over, and then we might be stuck either with Kamala Harris or Mark Pence with uh, uh, with as the as the president of the United States. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this it, it, it will be kind of like how Roosevelt, you know, when he died from polio and then, um, you know, Truman had to take over. So, yeah, we're, we're dealing with that kind of situation. Mm -hmm. So um, as far as we're concerned, I mean, the, the first presidential debate was embarrassing. I think we could definitely say that. And uh, mind you, wasn't it? Here's a, here's a you know what was also taking place during the, at the same, nearly at the same time as the presidential debates? And uh, do you know what else was going on in the world? What was that? The debates for the, uh, the the general election in New Zealand. Oh, wow. Both were, yeah, both were women, and uh, both actually complimented each other during the debate. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah, and the, I mean, I've got to be honest with you also, it, was, it wasn't like uh, anything highlights or anything like that. The only highlight from that debate was basically that uh, uh, was it, uh, um, uh, the, uh, the current incumbent, I completely forget her name, uh, she uh, basically admitted to smoking mar marijuana and uh, her opponent didn't. So that you know it's like a, uh, yay. Yeah, well, that was that was the big thing uh, takeaway apparently from that. So yeah, uh, but I mean, I, I but you know, here's the thing: it's like that was one out of what, like one as opposed to like you know with yeah, Trump right. and <laughs> Biden, it's like one out of five hundred. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you want to watch a good debate, apparently the New Zealand debate for that for those last couple of weeks apparently was the best debate <laughs> taking place in the world right now. So um, yeah, so go check out that, that out if you uh, sure. want to see how a, yeah. how a democracy actually functions. So uh, cool. Um, moving away from that, um, this is something I thought I would never be seeing in uh, a news article. Um, this was in the Star, a Canadian newspaper, and apparently, according to them, election observers are going to be sent from Europe to monitor the 2020 general election. Oh, wow. It's gotten that serious, huh? Yeah, apparently. So um, this is an organization uh, from Europe. They basically send um, observers to countries that basically have like either very young or misfunctioning democracies. Keep that in mind. You know, very young or like uh, democracies that are basically prone to fraud. Oh, great. Yeah. 
So um, apparently there's now talk of um, Canada also sending their own election observers into this as well because they're part of the same mission. So, uh, like, uh, this this is, you know, here's the thing about this, I've already said, like, the way the world is now, the way, the, the world is shrinking. Whether people like it or not, or whether Americans like it or not, um, you know, there's a lot of people around the world who are concerned about the, what's going on in America right now. In regards to the violence, in regards to the, um, in regards to the, um, the, the fake news, in regards to all the other awful stuff that's currently happening right now. So, it, it makes no surprise to me that um, you know, international organizations now want to come over and actually make sure that the, the election goes along without a hitch. And so, and where they can report back to the world to say, yeah, this election was clean. Wow, that is, that is so, I, I don't have any words to say about this. I mean, what would be like a simple election? It's like, who do you want to run your country? I want this person. Put in the vote, you're done. But no, now we have to bring in people from other countries saying, you know, oh, are, you're not putting in a false vote, are you? Or you're not pulling in strings well, so that no, you can be able they're, to they're not there to Well, no, they're not there to officiate the vote. That's not why they're there. They're basically there to observe what happens. So I know, but that's the thing. It's like... You know, they're they're trying to prevent something like a voting fraud happening. No, 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 baby, they're, they're, that's different. They're, they're not. Uh, they're not the. So here's the thing about this: a, a an election observer mission is not there to basically officiate, like be the referee, if you will. They're basically there to kind of like look at the how the election takes place. So they'll basically maybe maybe outside, maybe even in the uh, the polling station, they'll basically just take a look at how the whole thing goes ahead, and then once it's over, they then report back and tell everybody basically what happened. You know whether whether they what they saw was actually legitimate or not. They can't actually they don't actually have any power to do anything. You know, like okay, if, thank, thank if, you for if, if, the, if, the, if the Proud Boys if the Proud Boys turn up and burn down an all uh, burn burn down a polling station. You know, the the Euro, the election observers can't do anything. Okay, know. okay, I I understand now. Thank you. So what you're trying to tell me is that okay, they're just there to see oh the election went like this and this and that, and then they report it over to the other countries. Yeah. So oh, if we're like yeah. so if we're a, so if we're a mock. Then, then basically all the other countries will just like continue to state on, oh, wow, America, are you okay? Mm. Do you, it's like we need an intervention. I, I have no idea. I mean, actually, that'd be interesting because usually what happens is if, uh, if it looks like uh, an election has not... If they report back and say, oh, yeah, there's been fraud in this election and, uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump's stolen the election or whatever. I mean, like, I mean, can they, can they recommend... I mean, I mean, they can recommend, um, obviously, their findings to... Um, you know the the European Union and uh, probably even to the United Nations. But you know, are they really in a position to actually do anything with America if they do that? I don't know. I don't, I'm not too sure either. Like uh, that's that's I mean, that'd be very interesting. If you know, like say there's ever like some some you know mail ballots end up getting like you know being put on a bonfire and being burned. You know, like in the and they and they call that they call people doing that. I mean, and they reported that and then they said, oh yeah, you should take action. I mean, what action could they potentially take? I mean, like uh, it's. Uh, it's yeah, that that would be. I mean, obviously, it'd be, it'd be internationally, it'd be embarrassing. I know that China would probably have a have a have a have a, have a field day with it, but uh, oh yes, they certainly would. Probably would do, yeah. But uh, in regards to anything else, I'm not too sure what they potentially could actually do in that regard. But anyway, uh, moving away from that, um, nonpartisan watchdog is accused the Trump campaign of laundering 170 million dollars. Uh, didn't we cover something like this a few weeks ago? Um, no, I don't think we... Uh, I mean, we obviously said that, uh, I mean, the Trump campaign was being accused of... Um, obviously, it's running out of money very you know, very quickly. And uh, now it's uh, getting to the point where um, they're having to take ads out in, in key states 
because they just don't have the uh, the financial muscle. And uh, also, top of that as well, they actually released, I believe, another begging email out to all their supporters. Basically, now now basically they're campaigning off uh, Donald Trump being in hospital. Oh, so now they're, no. now, they're, now they're campaigning out of all... Imagine, imagine they, they must have been hammering these emails to all their supporters. It makes you wonder how, how, how much money do they actually... They, uh, do these, do they, even the Trump supporters even have left? I um, have no idea. Yeah, so... I mean, I, I feel bad for the people who have to, t you know, take the money off of their retirement fund. Yeah. So the allegation goes, this was uh, to the campaign, the campaign legal center, a nonpartisan campaign financial watchdog group, filed a complaint with the Federal Elections Commission Tuesday, um, accusing the Trump campaign of laundering $170 million through numerous companies, uh, some with uh, connections to the former Trump campaign manager, uh, Brad Parscale. So, um, it's, uh, in regards to the key facts, I mean, the Trump campaign and uh, Trump Make America Great Again committee um, disguised nearly $170 million of campaign spending by laundering the funds through firms. It uh, adds that the firms are headed by Trump's recent campaign manager. Uh, the, co the complaint alleges that Trump campaign paid millions of dollars to campaign-connected vendors uh, without uh, reporting those payments to the FEC, specifically homing in on uh, American-made media consultants, AMC, a, a firm created by uh, Parscale in which uh, he was paid over $106 million, uh, making it uh, the campaign's largest vendor. So basically, from what I understand, I mean, if I understand this correctly, they took money from supporters and then funneled it into these companies, and we're not too sure if they actually did any campaigning or not. Oh, wow. This is the same thing that, that, that happened with the coronavirus. It's like, hey, uh, you know, we're going to, you know, all the, the coronavirus funds, we're going to take it and spend it on other things. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I remember this now. Yeah, we actually did talk about this because... Do you remember yes, that's, what, that's, that's exactly what I just asked. It's like, didn't we cover something like this a few weeks ago? Yeah, actually, yeah sorry, and sorry, babe. I do apologize because I remember we did the story of uh, when uh, Donald Trump did the um, the campaign, did the, cam did the, uh, the fundraiser at uh, his Margolo Hotel and uh, the, the, the donations that uh, went from the hotel actually went into his business well there you go so that's why i said wow this sounds so familiar you know what well, this is this is why he needed to put his company into a blind trust you know the same thing that uh, uh carter did when he had his peanut farm he had to they they told him to put that into a tell him to sell his company because he could obviously you know funnel fraud you know he could be financially influenced through like foreign agents and things like that i mean it's uh it seems to be the same i mean not not exactly the same but it seems to be uh, it sounds familiar, don't you think? Like yeah. you know, you got you have these allegations of the Saudi Arabians fun funneling like thousands of dollars into the Trump hotels, you know, when obviously they uh, had the, when they were supposed to be there on official business, and now you've got this, you know, like uh, you know you don't know what's um, you don't know what's uh, tainted and what's clean in in, in the in the tr in in the Trump campaign at this point. The whole thing just stinks, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I it, it's like, you know, what else is new? That's yeah. all I'm going to say. What else is new? Anyway, these are allegations at this point. No doubt they're going to probably put a defense in saying that, uh, you know, that uh, that wasn't what was going on. But uh, I'm sure we'll find out soon enough what uh, all that comes down to. So, yeah. Okay, so um, you heard um, a while back ago that Donald Trump was uh, nominated by one Norwegian MP to the Nobel Peace Prize. So we heard about this. But I've got to be honest with you, this sounds even more hilarious than that. Um, so apparently, from what I understand, um, some of our members of our British Parliament actually also get a say in the Nobel Peace Prize. And now they've, uh, they've decided to nominate Joe Biden for the Nobel Peace Prize. 
Really? Yeah. Huh. The, the guy who wrote the crime bill and started the and uh, voted for the Iraq War. No, Nobel Peace Prize, everybody. Wow. So, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a joke at this point, isn't it? Like, you know, I, I, here's the thing about it. I don't expect Joe Biden or Donald Trump to be the be the winner of the Nobel Peace Prize, if anything. I think there's far more people deserving on this planet than Joe Biden and Donald Trump at this point, especially after that debate. Sure. I think we can all agree on that. So, I mean, Chris Bryan, I mean, he's welcome to nominate him, but uh, whether he's going to go through the selection process or not, I truly believe he's only just done this because Trump's got nominated as well. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really yeah. know. Okay. And finally, the last bit of our election news. Uh, we, I put this in election news because I just felt like it's just too coincidental. So, Borat 2 is going to be a thing. Amazon Video has, uh, has announced that it's going to be, uh, you know, going to be released on their platform. And uh, But the release date is interesting. It's going to be released the day before the 2020 election. So, on November 2nd. Yeah, and, and you can tell with uh, a lot of the stuff that Sasha Baron Cohen has done, you can tell that this was done on purpose. Mm -hmm. It makes you wonder, like, obviously we're going to get all the jokes. I mean, the, the story apparently appears to be uh, Borat is very unpopular in his own country, and apparently they've, uh, I think they're going to, like, kick him out or something like that and send him back to the U.S. But when he goes back over to the U.S., everyone recognizes him, and obviously he's miserable with that, and uh, he decides that uh, he's going to, like, rescue his, like, his family um, from you know by marrying off his daughter to the president yep. uh, so that's basically the story that we've got so in order to uh, not have people recognize him apparently he goes into a costume shop buys a load of costumes and then goes around you know basically dry as different characters so yeah. effectively he's going to be like you know who is america and uh is uh, like various other shows that he's done Eventually. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we have one scene in which when um, Borat's daughter is, like, eating a cupcake that has a baby on top, and so they go over to, a, like, a Planned Parenthood is like, can you get this baby off of her? And then, you know, Borat disguising himself saying, like, you know, I put the baby in her. Have you ever did that to your daughter? And they're like, no. no. <laughs> and then there's, you know, obviously there's going to be showcases of um, the scene, which happened in February, nonetheless. Uh, if you guys remember that there was a Trump impersonator who went over to Mike Pence's rally and some guy who was dressed up as Trump was carrying a girl and then he had to be escorted from the rally and it turned out to be Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, man. Like, actually, it's all Did we actually know it was him at the time? No, they didn't know it was him. Oh, good grief. I was, look I was looking through, like, the reports when it first came out and they were like... Who is this guy? Like nobody knew who it was, and then people were like making a whole bunch of guesses. But yeah, the wow. the, the yeah the the journalists did not know who this impersonator was. But apparently, the uh, he kind of gave the game away when he came to like the anti-coronavirus when he sorry the anti-lockdown rally. Oh like, my god, that was still so great. <laughs> Donald Trump, what you gonna do? Inject him with the <laughs> Wuhan flu? Oh wait, that's happened. Sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, but yeah. Uh, but yeah. it, there were even, like, reports that he was saying, like, he knew that his life was on the line. And so at two occasions during filming, he had to wear a bulletproof vest. Well, on top of that as well, like, uh, some of the costumes that he wore, I think he could get away with it. So, like, uh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, 
Um, yeah, so Borat 2, um, he spent, it looks like he spent an entire year filming this, and uh, he obviously decided to film, he screened it for Amazon, and obviously they gave him the go-ahead, and now, obviously, we're going to get this release now, and so, no doubt, yeah. uh, the day before the election, we're going to be watching this, and uh, no doubt millions of other people are going to be as well. So. well I, oh, I'm going to be watching it for I'll sure. I'll be watching it too, so like... Uh, um, and, and you know what, uh, here's the thing, two things I want to mention. Uh, one is that it's so genius that, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen had never mentioned that he was going to be doing this. Like, this was kept under the radar. Like, you know, we knew that he was doing his stuff for Who is America, and then when that show got canceled, then people were wondering, oh, well, you know, that's it? But no, while, you know, after the show got canceled, like, he was hard at work doing this second movie, and nobody knew. Nobody knew. <laughs> and then the second thing is, yeah, I know, that's, that's genius. And then the second thing was, and I, I think you even told it to me, Aaron, it's like, there was a reason why they released it before the election. It's like, you know, how many people are going to be swayed over from their votes after watching this movie? Well, here's the thing about this. Like, given the fact now we know that the amount of undecided voters is so slim that, I mean, it's getting to the point now where it might... The, here's the thing about this. Um, one thing we haven't talked about in this, uh, this election, like, it might come to the point where undecided voters actually might not matter in this election. It just might matter about how many Democrats and how many Republicans are, you know, invested enough to actually turn up on the day or actually send out their mail-in ballots. Well, there you go. So it's like, apparently, they, it's getting to the point where people actually know for definite what they're going to do, you know, come the uh, come the election, or definitely what they're going to do now. In fact, even, even then, at the point, like, uh, you know, when the presidential debate actually took place, you know, apparently two million votes had already been cast. Yeah, yeah, and also, um, if you remember, uh, that when the, when the mail-in voting, you know, first started... I read an article saying, you know, on this day, 860,000 votes were already put in. The same amount of the amount of votes that were done on that very same day 4 years ago was 10,000. It's amazing, isn't it? Like pe yes. people already right now have made up their minds and have said uh, they're going to basically put down their their ballot for. And I guarantee it's uh, his thing about this. Like we might actually not know on the we're, we're still debating right now whether we're actually going to live stream the election on that evening yeah, because exactly. at the minute, we, we might not even know for like weeks that who the the winner of the election is no because it's going to probably take days until all the votes come in like not only the you know the votes at the at the polls but also the votes at the mail yeah so it'll be just like the the you know the george w bush versus the al gore um election all over again in which well, like days and days I mean, it, it might not it might not even be that like keep this in mind like you know there was only one state that was basically a fault of that in that uh, election and that was florida you know, yeah. we're, to we're talking about e every single state now is basically up for grabs and, and basically could end up spending days counting votes. You know, like, uh, there's even talk of even the, the possibility of even Alaska even switching blue at this point. Really? Because now they're looking at, they're still in the courts right now looking at uh, potentially whether they're gonna actually going to start doing, uh, what's it called, uh, um, uh, ranked choice voting. So basically you put down your preference for, like, who you want to basically be the candidate. And so uh, there, there's there's possibility that uh, Alaska now could potentially. I mean, obviously it's always been a red state, but uh, you know, uh, uh, so, you know, keep in mind there's only like a couple of thousand people that voted that live in Alaska. So you know, if uh, enough people turn up to sway the election, you know, Alaska could potentially turn blue as well. It'd be a it, it's a wild card call. I'll admit that, but uh, it's it's still the realm of possibility if you get a high turnout in Alaska. So 
Well, I mean, yeah, and, uh, you know, maybe even for, like, an, uh, another state as well. It could be any state, like Alaska, or it could be Wyoming, or it could be Iowa, or it could be New Hampshire. I mean, like, one of those, like, little states is like, oh, we're just counting down by the single vote. Oh. Who's it going to be? Well, I, I, I highly doubt Wyoming. Wyoming is very conservative. I highly doubt that. Okay, okay, but you never know. It's like, you know, we're, we've been going through a lot of crazy stuff over this past year, so why not? Let's let's uh, have a little interesting oh. Oh boy, you know, actually, babe, I was actually going to check out some of the um, some of the states which I think could potentially flip. I'm just looking at the national poll rating average. Biden's going up by eight points. Eight points. He, he's eight points ahead. He's nearly in double digits nationally. Oh wow! Wow, Ica, let's give it two weeks and let's see where he is after that. He, he, yeah. He, he's gonna. I mean, it, it sounds really terrible. I'm, I'm gonna admit that. Like, I, I'm starting to wonder it myself. Like, you know, um, what should happen during the time that, uh, you know, Donald Trump is, you know, because he can't, he can't. I mean, I don't know if it's a show that he should probably just blame himself for, like, you know, running ridiculous, uh, you know, a ridiculously unsafe uh, campaign. I mean, uh, given the fact that. Uh, it wasn't necessary. It might even necessarily be the campaign itself that uh, you know caused him to get sick. It would just be the fact that he's obviously decided to host a uh, you know the, the rose garden thing, and that's the reason why he is where he is. But uh, I mean, um, in regards to like, Bi I mean, Biden now has whether we like it or not, Biden's got a chance right now to to take the next two weeks and uh, basically campaign is to tell everybody how he's going to become the president of the United States, how he's going to basically solve the coronavirus situation, how he's going to get people back to work. If he does all that and basically you know um, does it without any hitches, you know he he could open himself up a nice lead uh, when Trump comes back onto the scene. If that is if he's going to come back onto the scene, we don't know. We don't know, exactly. And uh, you were even mentioning this before a while ago that, you know, if Biden continues on the, the path that he is, he could win this by a landslide. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, here's the thing, though. Like, keep this in mind. It's still Joe Biden. Like, you know. Like, I, I know. I know. Yeah, I but know. But you know what? I mean, it's like, I, I mean, we've, we've gone through so many crazy stuff that... You just never know. Well, here's the thing about this. Like, uh, I mean, I mean, again, I, I still think uh, at this point we don't know where. I mean, as long as that's why we don't even know if uh, Donald Trump's going to get the so-called uh, sympathy bounce, where he recovers from the coronavirus. Everyone thinks he's uh, some stupidly think he's uh, heroic, and then uh, you know they'll they'll give him a, a poll bounce. I, don't, I have no idea about that. But uh, I mean, just going back to what I was talking about before about uh, some of the some of the key states. I mean, Biden's up by two in Florida. Um, he's up by six in uh, Pennsylvania. So he's out of the margin of error in that. So Pennsylvania's a possibility. Michigan's a possibility. Wisconsin's a possibility. Um, North Carolina is a bit slim. Arizona is slowly starting to sort of turn his way, and uh, Nevada is uh, going solidly now for you know for five points uh, for for Biden for like. But this is something we've known for months. So like, oh, New Hampshire's definitely going going for Biden. I'll definitely say mm. for that. So I mean, and in uh, the only places he's kind of struggling in right now is probably Texas, um, Ohio, um, Georgia, and uh, where else is he struggling? Uh, North Carolina, I guess he's struggling as well, but that's usually turns red anyway. So I mean, there's plenty of meat on the table for Biden to eat on. I would say to uh, you know give himself a nice and, and one thing I'll definitely say in this election. I mean, and I know some people think it's going to be unlikely, but I think Biden needs to win Florida in order to win this presidency. Wow, I just think he needs to do it, and if he if he does it, then great. But uh, you know, if if not, I'm you know I won't be too surprised. I don't uh, know. Yeah. 
Anyway, let's move away from election stuff. Uh, we'll slightly keep you know on the condition of uh, Donald Trump, and uh, we'll keep you in, in, informed of everything else that's going on. Uh, all the way up to uh, the uh, we're a month away now from this election, so yeah. or less than that. So uh, we'll keep you involved with everything that's going on. So cool. Anyway, babe, um, let's talk about the Animaniacs. Um, so their reboot apparently is going to include a new theme song. Well, it, it, of course. The reason why, for multiple reasons. Obviously because, as we mentioned this in the last podcast, they are cutting off a majority of their cast. Like, you know, the only people who are going to be there from the original are Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, and Pinky and the Brain. Everybody else, such as the Hippos, Katie Kaboom, Chicken Boo, um, the Good Feathers, Slappy Squirrel, um, Rita and Runt, uh, they're, they're not going to be in the show. And also, another thing, I mean, I don't know if they'll even include the whole Bill Clinton plays his sax. I don't think they'll include that in there either, because, you know, that was a reference that made sense in the 90s. But, yeah, I mean, the fact that they're going to revamp the, the theme song is not a surprise to me at all. Yeah, so uh, I'm just having a look at the um, the lyrics of the actual song. So uh, just Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I can actually sing it to you, because I know I, I love that song. It's one of my favorite theme songs well, of all time. Oh, I, don't, I don't want you to uh, strain yourself, dear, so I'll... Uh, let me, let me, uh, I'm just going to go through some of the... Uh... No, I, I, I actually don't mind it, actually. I mean, I think it'll be kind of fun. <laughs> okay, go, go on if you want, if okay. you want to. All right, all right. Uh, and, and please, uh, you know, pardon me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not the best singer, but, you know, I, I just want to try it out. Um, okay. Let me just, uh, okay, here we go. <clears throat> ding, ding, ding. Okay, it's time for Animaniacs. And we're zany to the max. So, so, so just sit back and relax, you'll laugh till you collapse. We're Animaniacs. Come join the Warner Brothers and the Warner Sister Jot. Just for fun, we run around the Warner movie lot. They lock us in the tower whenever we get caught. But we break, but we break blues, uh, we, but we break Bruce, then then Van Moose, and now you know the plot. We're Animaniacs. Dot is cute and Yakko yaks. Wacko packs away the snags while Bill Clinton plays the sax. Okay, I'll stop We're you there, because uh, obviously then that's the dated... Lyric, yeah, that's that. the dated reference. So yeah, they're not going to include that, which apparently from what I understand, what, Tom Ruger, the creator of the show, said that one of his sons was the one who stated, you know, who came up with the, that lyric. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so, so let's see. I mean, um, yeah, so go on. Uh, keep going. Okay, so let's let's continue. So me, Pinky, and the brain who want to rule the universe. Good feathers flock together, sloppy wax them with their purse. So which, I'll again, stop you right there. So basically, they, we're not going to have the good feathers and we're not going to have sloppy squirrel. Okay, yep. So. Slappy, uh, okay. Button chases Mindy while Rita sings a verse, which, nope, not going to be included. No. So, basically, um, yeah, they're going to have to come up with a whole new theme song uh, in regards to that. I mean, here's the thing about this. I mean, they're saying that they're going to come up with a new theme, but, uh, I mean, it wouldn't too surprise me if they decided just to rehash kind of, like, some parts of it and then, like, stick in, like, different lyrics, maybe. Oh, you think that's what they're going to do? They're not going to, like, revamp the, sh the, 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 the theme song from scratch, and it's, they're just going to play... It's an iconic tune. I mean, it's what everybody knows. So like, That is true. I mean, yeah, you're right. Um, I mean, kind of, like, similar to, like, the My Little Pony theme, in which, like, they were able to revamp it, but, you know, add in, like, the rock guitar and put in some new lyrics. DuckTales did a very similar thing. So, yeah, I mean, you have a point. Yeah, so... Um, um, there's no uh, clear idea of what direction they're probably going to go in with it, but uh, um, I'm starting to look and seeing what uh, information they we could potentially get from this. Uh, as soon as you hear, oh, 
I'm sorry about that. So the uh, screen just went off just for a then. Oh, okay, I'm back again. Um, as soon as you hear the first downbeat, uh, you'll go, "Oh my God, I'm 11, I'm 15." Whatever you, whatever, whatever you were, and then it morphs into this uh, appropriate acknowledgement of the zeitgeist. Uh, that is to say, the lyrics already tell you right off the bat that we're a different time. So, oh, I see. So they're gonna like stick with like the, the very beginning. They're gonna let you know, yeah, this is Animaniacs, and then after that, they're gonna change the theme around. Mid, oh, that, so it'll be like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2012 theme in which you hear like, uh, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, heroes in a half shell, turtle power, and then it goes into a completely different direction. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, you're doing a lot of singing today, actually, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I, 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 should, I should just keep my day job. No, no, you, do. you have a beautiful voice, babe. Oh, thanks. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so, so everything else, I think the other lyrics, um, they can keep it because, you know, there's no other inclusions of the characters and there's no like dated references. So yeah, everything else, like um, the character inclusions, yeah, they, they definitely need to revamp. Oh, imagine if they actually do make reference to Donald Trump and then he loses the election. Oh my God. Yeah, like it just, it just dates the whole thing. You know, like, oh, they have to like redo it with Joe Biden. I don't know. Um, it'll be like that's it'll be like the time at South Park in which like Trey and Matt thought that Hillary Clinton was going to win and they already had the episode finished. But then when they heard that the you know that Trump won, they had to like scramble and had the episode done within like less than a day. Yeah, that, apparently that that ruined like the whole member Barry's storyline. Apparently, yep. yeah. So well, uh, yeah. If you go, it's uh, that's how bad the presidency was. It ruined a good South Park story. <laughs> okay, yeah. right. Um, so anyway, we'll wait and see what Animaniac sounds like. And uh, no doubt we'll be checking out Hulu and uh, seeing what we think of it. So. Yeah, uh, for sure. Because um, you know, now that I, I I got I purchased Spotify, you know, a few months ago, I you know because of that I got a Hulu account, and uh, now I can actually watch uh, you know the Animaniacs remake. And yeah. so I'm actually you know curious about like you I'm know which sure direction is it going to go somewhere around. I purchased something. I'm sorry, I got a free trial for Hulu somewhere, so I'll have to dig it out and uh, obviously get it and activate it and then watch it. So mm -hmm. we'll, we'll see. Anyway, um, this is a funny story, actually, that uh, we're going to move on to, because when I put this in, Patricia basically told me, um, Aaron, uh, this particular movie had already released in April, uh, and I said to her, in the UK, and so uh, we have been deprived of this movie, apparently, for a good couple of months until recently, and that is that Pixar's Onward is now on Disney+. Plus. Yep, so, uh, you know, I, I feel really bad for um, Onward, because... I've seen all of the, uh, I've seen, uh, you know, a few of the other animated movies that came out in 2020. We saw Trolls World Tour, I saw Scoob, and um, I'm going to be seeing Candace Against the Universe pretty soon because that was what the, um, that was what my followers voted on, on which, mo you know, which movie that came out this year would you like me to check out? And, well, um, they chose that. So, uh, you know, sadly, um, movies such as, you know, SpongeBob um, entered, uh, what was it? Like, uh, it's not a one, it's, it's not, it's a wonderful sponge anymore. It's, but uh, they called it something else. But, um, so yeah, I'm not getting that until next year, but it was already released in Canada and other places. So, you know, I've heard like mixed reviews on that. And then, um, you know, there's The Crudes, A New Age, which we're going to be watching pretty soon because, you know, Dream Machine. And yeah, I'm just like saying, man, like, you know, we were complaining about that 2019 sucked when it came to movies, but 2020 is just like, 
there was like nothing that like made me say, yeah, this year was a good year for animation. And, you know, Onward, sadly, is one of those middle of the road Pixar movies. Yeah. I mean, like in regards to like animation as a whole, I mean, obviously the movies have been pretty, haven't been as, uh, as many as good, but uh, I mean, like uh, we had the Owl House on Disney Channel and everyone seems to enjoy that. And then we had the She-Ra uh, on Netflix and everyone seems to get a kick out of that too. So, I mean, like uh, it's not like we've not had good animation uh, okay uh, you're okay you, you do have a point I'm, I'm talking about like theatrical movies. that's what i'm saying yeah theatrical movies obviously we've uh, we've suffered this year no doubt about that but i mean like it's not just us i mean like i would say that uh, the entire industry has suffered because of that because the only people really who have kind of like gained anything out of uh, this year have probably been the ones who have basically been on streaming and, um, you know, there's another Carmen Diego season currently going on at the minute. So. Yes, which I'm looking forward to watching because I love that series yeah. so much. But, but I, w I would say that this is the, in regards to animation, the year, in regards to 2020, we're just going to be talking about what we streamed online rather than basically what we saw in the theater. And uh, it's, it's basically going to be box sets, if anything. Yep, that's true. I mean, it's going to be the same thing what happened last year, in which it was a lackluster year for theatrical movies, but when it came to streaming movies, uh, streaming movies and TV shows, it was amazing. So it, you know, it what? makes me wonder. Like, I wonder if now the industry is going to change tack. I mean, they're going to like uh, stop doing. It. I mean, it's going to be sad if they do it, but I mean, they're going to put less incentive on like the uh, the major theatrical blockbuster because they know people aren't going to go to the theaters because of the you know, the Backstreet Boys reunion tour. But uh, I mean, what if they decide? Okay, we're going to change tack. We're basically going to basically create characters put them in this tv series and have it go for a season and we'll just see what, what the revenue is like you know oh wow that basically ends up being i mean who knows like uh, but you know if uh, if more creativity goes into tv series which you know let's let's face it i mean like that's where that's the last place we think that uh, creativity is going to go into you know until very recently you know like uh, that, that can't be a bad thing can it you know, that's it, true. You know, that's true. I mean, obviously, the, I mean, the uh, it's going to be sad not to have like the big theatrical event. I mean, obviously, we're going to you know be uh, nostalgic for that at some point, and hopefully, when all this uh, you know starts becoming a, a better situation, we can start uh, going back to the theaters again. But uh, until then, I mean, why not put um, the the effort into streaming and into you know TV into series? Uh, you know, you can watch a television, watch at home, and uh, put more emphasis on that. And uh, make yeah, that it, spectacular. You know, you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of like around the 1920s and 30s, in which like theater was hugely popular. Like all the vaudevillian actors would be going up on stage and doing their performances. But then movie theaters came along and pretty much just like killed the, you know, the vaudevillian um, uh, industry. And so it was not about like you know people watching people on stage. It was like watching them on a screen. And then we had like things like. Um, you know, radio and then television. So every generation, something replaces something else. I mean, that's why the song Video Killed the Radio Star became a thing. Mm -hmm. so, so now yeah. what's it going to be like streaming killed the movie star um oh, i don't know i'm not sure about that but uh, i mean i don't, i think there's going to be like oh, i mean like uh, I, I know it sounds pretty awful i mean if you grew up in the 90s i mean obviously you and i patricia have like reviewed one particular turner movie and uh, during the roald dahl retrospective and uh oh, good grief i don't know how we got through that but i have uh, no idea either. yeah it was like yeah that was more boring than the than uh, some of the other stuff that i've seen from turner broadcasting but uh, i mean uh are we going to really see a resurgence of like you know the uh, the TV movie of like oh, uh, you know I know I hope not I, I, I hope not too because you know it's uh, it's bad enough those Primark movies that we watch you know in regards to like you know hey hey you know a, a couple fall in love some mischief happens and then it all gets happy at the end you know like uh, like 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 all the Christmas like all the cards and Christmas cards and birthday cards they produce. 
You know, like, <laughs> he's just, uh, like, I hope we're not going to, like, see, like, a whole era of, like, you know, well, we didn't decide to do the big summer blockbuster. Instead, we decided to do, like, this little thing on television. You know, like, uh, but, uh, hey, well, I'm sure fine. Anyway, we got really away from Onward, didn't we? Well, uh, I mean, here's the thing. Like, the reason why we're bringing this up is because, you know, there's nothing really much to say about Onward. I mean, you can listen to our discussion about it in PixMix because... I mean, you know, the movie is fine. I mean, it has some really good elements. I mean, I thought that, you know, it was like, oh, what if the good dinosaur kind of like followed this? It's like everything is medieval and, you know, then take, you know, the future happens and then magic is not needed anymore. It's like, yeah, but I just wish that the story was a lot stronger. And, th and, this, and this personally to me is a little bit worrisome for like the next generation of, you know, people who are working on Pixar, because as I mentioned in that episode, John Lasseter is no longer going to be a part of, you know, how Pixar is going to be working because of all those uh, allegations and controversies and all that kind of stuff. Huh. Now Pete Doctor is the president. And, um, you know, all the new people who are working on this movie, I mean, it's not like, you know, the usual contenders, it's not the Brad Birds, it's not the Pete Doctors, it's not, it's not like the big people that we would know of. It's, you know, the same guy who did Monsters University, and this was his one chance to shine away from, oh, I'm going to do a prequel, I'm going to do an original story, and it was nothing to write home about. Yeah, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, it's like, it's, uh, yeah, it just felt like, um, and I saw that as well. At that point, when Onward was released, doesn't it feel like the whole fantasy you know, genre would be kind of done to death at that point? It kind of felt like superhero. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly, because, you know, I mean, if it would have came out 20 years ago, then it would have been a bigger deal. Oh, no, I, had... I'd be fairer to Onward than that. I think if it came out five years ago, I think it probably, I think it would probably be something we probably found funny, because, oh, hey, you know, like, uh, um, all these, um, you know, fantasy, you know, things that we've had, and, like, all these, like, uh, you know, this was the time, like, you know, five years, six years ago, I think it was, like, the time of, like, all the remasters, wasn't it? Like, okay, uh, fair, fair enough. And then, and then, of course, Game of Thrones was like you know reaching in popularity. Yeah, so I mean, it would have been funny then, but it just feels exhausting now when you. Really yeah, because Game it. of Thrones and a whole bunch and every I see every single Twitch stream of people playing Dungeons and Dragons, and you know there's going to be the Lord of the Rings series on Amazon. It's like I'm kind of done to death with fantasy. Yeah. Unless they come up with something original with fantasy, then I would be invested. But. If it's just going to be the same old, you go to this location and you you have an epic quest, it's like, you need to put something fresh into it, otherwise I'm not going to be invested. Because I've seen Lord of the Rings, I've seen Harry Potter, I've seen Chronicles of Narnia. I'm familiar with Dungeons and Dragons because I have a lot of friends who play that. And, you know, I've seen a handful of episodes of Game of Thrones. My sister loves Game loved Game of Thrones when it first came out. I don't know if she's seen the later seasons, but... You know, at this point, it's like with it's the same thing with the zombie genre. It's like you know, it, you know, when when Walking Dead came out, you know, it was like oh, it was refreshing. The Last of Us, it was refreshing. You know, a different twist on the zombie genre. But now people are sick of it, and you know, I feel bad for Onward because it, it was just another movie that came out in 2020 that not a lot of people are going to remember. Well, babe, the uh, zombie genre never went away. It's uh, supporting Donald Trump for president. <laughs> oh, you had to go there. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, I, this is why, in my opinion, if Soul comes out, I think it's going to be one of the best movies that came out this year because that and maybe Wolf Walkers, which I heard a lot of good reviews on, and a, it's Cartoon Studio. Come on, I think that those two will be the contenders for like the best movie that came out in twenty twenty because you know 
obviously it was Soul. It's Pete Doctor. I mean, the same people who worked on Inside Out is working on this movie. It has a really unique concept. I think it's that's going to be the winner. And that's just going to prove to me once again, it's like the old you know, veterans of Pixar are the ones who are crafting the great movies while the new people are still struggling to find their footing. Uh-huh. It'll be like during the Bronze Age of Disney in which like the nine old men left Disney and then the new people had to work on films such as The Black Cauldron as their first movie. And it's like, wow, this is a rocky start. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, right onward is now on Disney Plus on uh, on the UK. We've already done a episode of of uh, Pixmix on it, so I I, I, pre- I tweeted it out before, so I urge everyone to check it out, and uh, then after that, make up your own minds about what you think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Okay. Um, I'm going to bring up something for the, just let you guys know that the Arrow Meta show is going to be returning on Wednesday for the Hey Arnold anniversary show. So, uh, to, uh, celebrate this, uh, you know, uh, rebirth of, uh, my show, uh, I'm going to be revealing, um, some of the questions for that are actually going to be asked in the show. So, uh, um, I don't think I should show you these, have I shown you these questions, babe? I actually don't know if I've done so. I mean, maybe, maybe you like brought up one or two questions, but, um, Oh no, yeah, actually, I, I did. Actually, I did uh, tell you about it actually a bit. So, um, here's some, uh, questions that will, uh, get you, uh, uh, wondering about uh, some stories from behind this. So, uh, one question we're going to be talking about is, uh, Dan Butler and what made you, d- made Craig t- to cast him as Mr. Simmons. That's mm-hmm. We're going to talk about Mark Hamill. He's uh, yep. going to be ringing up in this as well. Um, we are also going to be talking about Hey Arnold season six. And uh, where we're up to with that. And uh, also, uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, there's some Pataki questions as well, and uh, the possibility of that show coming back, uh, or like if he decided to ever do it again. Uh, we've got some quite some interesting fan fiction questions, a uh, note about that. And uh, also, we're going to talk about the Rugrats as well. Awesome. So, all of that to come in on Wednesday for the Hey and Old Anniversary Show. So, uh, yeah, we'll definitely keep you posted on that. And uh, we're doing a small pre, well, actually, we're doing a preview of uh, that on the 6th of uh, October. So that's uh, coming up in the next two days uh, on Twitch. So uh, we'll be definitely letting you know more about that as uh, the uh, as the hours go on. Okay. Cool. Okay. Right. Um, we're, there's a rumor currently going around, and uh, this came about because leaked from um, a designer from who works for Warner Brothers Studio. Um, someone did a, um, a more up-to-date version of Fred Flintstone. And now that's led to the belief that uh, Warner Brothers is currently working on a Flintstones movie. That that does make a lot of sense because, as I um, told you guys, I watched Scoob. And we discussed about this on Casual Chats, which you can go listen to. So I had uh, Nero and Y-Boy from Toon Grin on, and we were discussing about how essentially Scoob was the first part of a whole Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe. And they were going to be releasing a whole lot of movies that is going to coinciding. So from what I understand, according to the rumors, that it's going to take place around Bedrock, and we're going to see Fred, Wilma, Barney, Betty, maybe even Pebbles and Bam Bam, I'm not sure. But apparently, from what I understand, you know, to you know, tie it in with the continuity, it's going to pull off uh, Encino Man, or, and you know, in Superhero's case, because it's the cinematic universe, like Captain America... The first Avenger in which like, you know, the Flintstones and the Rebels are going to be frozen in until millions of years later they're thawed out and then they're experiencing the modern world. That's what, according to what the rumors are stating. Uh, I, 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 I'm sure. I'm, I'm, have, have we seen the Flintstones already go to the future? 
Well, yes, the Flintstones meets the Jetsons. Yeah, but uh, they've, they've done this multiple times. They've already done it in the show, and also they've done the Flintstones meet the Jetsons. But also on top of that, as well, they also uh, parodied it in um, in, in what should we call it? In the Adventures of Grimm and Mandy. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, the Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Sorry. So um, I mean, this is this isn't a new concept. As far, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. As well, as well like, uh, the whole premise of the Captain Caveman show was the fact that he was frozen in for, for millions of years and he becomes the and he was like the world's first superhero. And then they gave him some teenagers to hang out with and they went to solve mysteries. Exactly. But here's the thing. Like, they already utilized the whole Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels thing because Captain Caveman shows up really briefly in Scoob. And then we, you know, then, um, you know, one of the Teen Angels appears as a character alongside with... Um, you know, Dino Mutt and Blue Falcon. So I don't think they're really going to be caring about continuity when it comes to Hanna-Barbera characters, to be quite honest. Well, I think this is just an entirely... It's, new it's not even continuity. It's just the fact that this... Um, we, we already know about the, these types of stories. Like, you know, as well as well, like, you can say... You can argue Futurama was kind of, like, based on that. Like, it's, it's Fry getting uh, frozen for, like, you know, a, a thousand years, and then he ends up in the future, and he's, uh, there he is in Futurama. Yep. You know, like, it's just... it's a, it's a This concept's been done. I mean, like, it has been, but yeah, what, I think what that, new things could they do with it? I mean, like, here's the thing: like, I don't know. I, I've seen the, I, you know, I've seen many iterations of the Flintstones, and they've done everything. They've done live action, they've done TV movies, they've done uh, various specials, and they've did everything from Pebbles and Bam Bam being teenagers, grown up, having kids of their own, to uh, Christmas, to them going over to Rock Vegas for them fixing their relationships. Um, you know, meeting up with the Frankenstones, which are essentially like, oh, let's have the monsters kind of mixed in. And, you know, they've done everything. It's like... The, what the, the only thing they haven't done is reboot the show. I mean, if you really think about it... Like, Here's the thing. They've tried rebooting the show multiple times. Remember, a few years ago, Seth MacFarlane was going to reboot the Flintstones, but that never happened. Well, again, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it's, it's never happened. So, like, uh, I would just say, look, if you're going to do a Flintstones movie, just do it in the Flintstones universe but, just say yeah, it's a, this is a guy called fred flintstone he has like a, he has a family where yeah he works at a construction site he has this uh, family that uh, he has to he has to care for and uh, he's not that bright and uh, he gets himself into trouble and he has to get him he has to get himself out of it you know like uh, that you. that was pretty much the, the 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 bare basics of the flintstones and yeah. you know like and he drags everyone into else into his chaos so like I get I, I get it's like you know how does that differ from like doing another Simpsons movie or doing another that family like, even doing a Family Guy movie you know like or any other like you know a guy with like you know an obnoxious or like you know really you know stupid dad you know who ends up getting into trouble and then has to get his uh, everybody out of it I understand that but uh, and yeah and I get that um, doesn't sound like an epic concept for like you know a movie that would ad advance the the Flintstones lore if you will if one exists. But, uh, I mean, it's, uh, I just, I don't know, like, uh, hearing that now, uh, I mean, if, they, I really want to, again, I want to see some concept, I've already seen the concept, obviously, that's that thing that's been rumored, but, I mean, I really want to see what they're going to do with it, you know, before I make my mind, of like, yeah, I'm going to, like, spend, you know, an hour and a half, you know, with uh, this character uh, again, you know, so, yeah, I, I still, I still need, you know, to, uh, to be to be sold on that really yeah and here's the thing like um when it, you know the, the the concept of the flintstones i mean let's be honest i mean it, it hasn't exactly held up i mean compared to like if you were to see like the um, the simpsons or family guy in which they took the same elements of the flintstones and able to like ramp it up with their social commentary and their jokes and all that kind of stuff 
like by today's standards, the Flintstones is pretty dry with their humor and um, a lot of their slapstick could be hit and miss at points. I mean, I guess the thing that a lot of people still remember about the Flintstones is, oh, the running gag about the animals being the appliances. I mean, I'm sure that if you were to release that nowadays, you can't make a joke about it because I'm sure, you know, somebody would get offended. It's like, oh, you know, animal rights about PETA or something like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think that if you are going to do a new take on the Flintstones, then it has to be something completely original and unique because we already had a movie that was a copy shot for shot of the I've actually just thought of something right now. What if it's just like it? Do you remember, um, do you remember the, what the last episode of The Angry Beavers was supposed to be? Like, oh, yeah, where they basically just realize that they are a cartoon. What if they do that with the Flintstones movie? In, in the Flintstones movie, they realize that, oh, hey, like uh, this is just a show, and like uh, then we get to find out what they're like outside of the show. Yeah, they kind of have Scooby-Doo Goes Hollywood, in which, like, you know, Scooby-Doo Were You is a Saturday morning cartoon, and the, you know, Fred, Velma, Daphne, Shaggy, and Scooby are the actors, and we get to see them outside in Hollywood studios. Oh, so Except that the, okay, so that's been done. All right, then. So uh, I, I, I've never seen Scooby Doo Goes Hollywood. Uh, it, it's actually the it was the very first Scooby Doo movie ever released. It was around the seventies, and uh, well, it may not be like you know one of the better Scooby Doo movies, but I still have personal connections to it because it was the first one that I saw, and. Um, and this was like many years before Zombie Island and Witches Ghost and all those other movies came out. So I was going to say, I think, I, I think the first Scooby Doo movie. I think, oh, well, like I have a sort of probably Scooby Doo on Zombie Island. That's where a lot of people say that. But I was one of those people who grew up on Cartoon Network's early years with the Hanna Barbera reruns, and I saw, um, I saw, you know, uh, Scooby Doo Goes Hollywood, and I think I remember seeing the Boo Brothers and uh, Thirteen Ghosts and all those things. But it's been many years. Yeah, the Thirteen Ghosts wasn't that good. Oh no. Yeah, I mean, my, I I like the Scooby Doo movies. You know, like the ones where like Batman and Robin and like uh, you know like the the, uh, the the Three Stooges and like uh, like all the other like uh, oh, yeah. and, and yeah, the Harlem Ghostbusters. They, they they those 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 one those movies were funny. Yeah, I like the one where, like, I'm sure we talked about this on the show before, where Batman talks about, like, uh, did we actually see the house, or was it, like, like a hallucination, like, you know, going on by something like that, and, like, uh, you know, everyone's just kind of, like, you know, nodding along with it. <laughs> like, it was just, it was so, so hilarious. Like, his explanation <laughs> of, like, you know, did we actually see a house or not? <laughs> yeah, nice one, detective. But, uh, um, so, but anyway, in regards, to, in regards to the Flintstones, I mean, if they do something creative with it, like, one funny thing actually would be, is, like, imagine if the trailer was, like, um, Fred yeah. Flintstone putting Pebbles to bed. And, like, uh, he, like, finally gets to settle down, like, she's sleeping and everything like that, and then, like, uh, he hits his head on something, and, like, uh, then the audience starts laughing. You know? Right. And then, but then he, like, he breaks the fourth wall, like, turns around to the camera, and so he goes, shh! And then, like the then the camera pans to like a whole audience full of people, like in a studio, and they all just start being quiet. Wow, <laughs> that actually will be funny. I, I yeah, that would be interesting. I, I mean, out of the Flintstones of all things. Yeah. So uh, yeah, maybe they should probably do that. Like they should probably just do like uh, here's uh, here's the Flintstones. They realize they're a, they're a show, and this is who they are, like in the show. But then you find out who they are outside of the show. That'd be interesting. It's like, instead of Fred being like, you know, Wilma and being like really grouchy and, you know, blowhard, maybe he's like a very sophisticated gentleman. Mm. And instead of Barney being like the dumb... <laughs> he's actually type. Frederick in real life? Yes. Oh, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> he, he's, he's Frederick. <laughs> Frederick. My name is Frederick. 
Yeah. And um, uh, Barney, it's like, um, you know, maybe, maybe Barney's the mean, uh, you know, person. Maybe like Barney is supposed to be like this lovable, you know, dumb sidekick, but he's loyal. Maybe he's the mean one. Maybe he's like the one who's supposed to be like mean and nasty. And oh, then, yeah. you know, maybe- yeah. do you know what's probably funny? Like maybe Barney's like the, sorry, maybe Barney's like the guy who like, uh, he's like a frustrated writer who actually like, you know, writes and produces the show. And like, he kind of like stars Ooh. in as the neighbor. And, Ooh, uh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, and he's and he's, then, he's, he's not he's then, not he's not very satisfied with like maybe 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 the scene could be like you know the show's finally coming to like an end like uh, he's trying like his damnedest to like uh, try and keep the show on the air but it's like you can see that like the the steam's running out like they're in like season seven or whatever and like all the executives are saying like yeah Barney I mean like uh, we 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 know the show's been like an icon here at uh, Hanna Barbera and everything like that but we really want to move on to the Jetsons. And like maybe the, like the plot of the movie is like going to be like he's going to like trying to stop the Jetsons being a thing. I don't know. Yeah. Like, or or maybe it's like, uh, hey Barney, uh, our ratings are getting low. I think we need to include a new character. Um, what oh, do you think we should do? when they include Kazoo. Great Kazoo. That would be brilliant. I'd love that actually. Yeah. Yeah, but here's the thing about this, like, uh, I mean, in regards to how, I mean, on top of that as well, it's kind of sad us kind of talking about these scenarios, because unfortunately, these are probably going to be the most creative ideas, and you're going to hear them on this podcast, and I highly doubt that Hollywood would ever do them. Nope. Yeah, but that would be a great idea, just like, the Flintstones just being uh, a studio, and like, it's dealing with like, all the characters outside of it, and then, you know, Barney's like a frustrated writer who's like trying to keep the show alive, and he's even putting himself in harm's way in order to kind of like, you know, keep this thing going. And, um, you know, then he basically, he's got to deal with, like, all the executives and stuff like that. Like, and then he's got to deal with Kazoo and, like, deal with all, all the craziness on the show and all the people trying to, like, write for it. And they're coming up with these outlandish yeah, ideas. And, and, yeah, exactly. And then he's being sued for child labor laws because Pebbles and Bam Bam, if they're babies, it's like you're making them work for, like, eight hours. You can't do that. Maybe they even said it when uh, Pebbles and Bam Bam are, like, you know, teenagers. Or, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, and, like, uh, they're just frustrating to deal with because it's supposed to be kind of, like, they don't really have, like, a... And they're, maybe they're complaining because they don't really have, like, a have like a, a real personality on the show. Like, uh, I mean, what was what was Pebbles and Bam Bam's personality in the new Flintstones, you know? When, you know when, I mean, when they, I, okay, so, yeah, I remember. It's like, you know, Bam Bam was kind of, like, the really strong, uh, you know, nice guy and, uh, you know, kind of a little awkward at times. And then Pebbles was, like, the pretty girl. And she hung out with all the girls and they had fun and all that kind of stuff. They didn't really have too much of a personality. I mean, even with, like, the movies that dedicated to them where they were adults and, you know, they got married and then they had their own children. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Oh, do you know what would be funny? Be like, uh, they, maybe, like, uh, they, they're getting to the point where they're going to, like, do, like, you know, Yabba Dabba, I Yabba Dabba do, you know, the movie yeah. where they get married and, like, uh, maybe there's, like, contract negotiations going on and saying, then Pebbles just kind of, like, slaps down and says, I am not marrying this guy on television. And, like, uh, maybe, yeah. like, brings up a load of, like, you know, all, like, these outlandish allegations or, like, just doesn't want to do it. Or things like that. Yeah, like, and then uh, you have, and then you have like uh, Wilma and Betty. It's like maybe their stories would be like, you know, Wilma is like, you know, going in, in and out of rehab, and you know, <laughs> with her drug addiction. And then uh, Betty is kind of like, you know, very meek, and you know, maybe takes um, is like really manipulative easily, and then she does all of these things to try to like save the show. But in reality, you know, she's getting the the short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is yeah. There's there's an idea there, and I I really hope. Uh, you know, I highly doubt it, but uh, if it's realized, then I think we'll probably have some fun with this movie. But mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. 
Yeah. Anyway, um, we'll move on uh, because uh, unfortunately, something else is uh, probably with loyal, even less imagination. It's probably going to be coming up. Uh, there's going to be a follow-up to The Lion King, and uh, Moonlight director Barry Jenkins is uh, on the helm for Walt Disney Studios for it. Why? Why? Why is this coming out? Because we need to make some money, Patricia. But didn't, didn't they already know that nobody wants this anymore? Well, apparently, I mean, apparently according to the box office, apparently people do. So I, I know, I know. Yes, that is true. I mean, if you guys don't know, the 2019 version of Lion King is the highest grossing animated film of all time. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, we are going to get a follow-up to this. And uh, so, I mean, uh, I guess the next thing they're going to do, probably, is going to be doing, uh, what is it called, Lion King 2 Simba's Pride? Like in CGI. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's what they're going to do because that's actually the sequel. But then they're like talking about, oh, we're going to have flashbacks of Mufasa. It's like Mufasa been in The Lion King too. Well, maybe it just be the fact that maybe Simba just stares in the sky and basically he basically becomes like, you know, uh, he basically becomes Obi-Wan Kenobi maybe in this in this movie and basically just kind of gives him guidance when he needs it. But that's what that was what that was what Rafiki was, you know, for Kiara and Kovu. Well, man. I mean, for Simba, you know, the whole point of the movie, uh, you know, focusing on Simba's perspective is that he's trying to protect his daughter from, uh, you know, Scar's pride and, you know, preventing, uh, you know, Kiara from going over to those uh, parts of the land, and you know, then eventually Kiara falls in love with Kovu, and then they got together. Yeah, it's yeah, just, it's really sorry, okay. sorry to cut you off, babe. I mean, like, did they do any forest shadowing for that? In the in the in the in the 2019 movie, because I never I mean, saw it. The only the only like no, I mean we didn't we don't see Zira in this movie uh, as far as I know, and all of the other hyenas are dead. Uh, so no, I mean to be quite honest, there wasn't a lot of foreshadowing in the second movie either. To yeah. be quite honest. So basically, like, they've they, they've not set anything up for a sequel. They're basically just doing it because they realized it made a lot of money. Yeah, pretty much. So. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Like, The Lion King 2, for according to a lot of people, they say it's definitely one of the better directed video Disney movies, alongside with Cinderella 3 and uh, Lion King 1 and a half and all of those other movies. So people do find them, um, you know, good, as opposed to, like, all the other ones that came out. So, you know, if they mess this up, especially if it's like a... Like, here's the thing. We're talking about from a direct-to-video movie that had little to no budget compared to the original. And then you're going to have a major budget off of this movie and it becomes worse, you have a problem. Mm -hmm. So, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, uh, I didn't even watch the first one, so I don't even know why the Disney thinks I will be entertained by having a second version of this. You know, like, uh, uh, yeah, here's the thing about this. Like, you and I, not too long ago, watched The Lion King one and a half. And yep. uh, we actually thought that was good. Like, you know, it was, uh, oh God, imagine they did a CGI version of that. <sighs> Yeah, if they get to that point, they need to stop. They really do. So I mean, it's just stop already. I mean, like uh, as far as we're concerned, when we didn't see, I didn't see, I didn't see the 2019 Lion King. I highly doubt I'll see this. I saw it and I regretted it. Yeah. Well, as far as I'm concerned, that's uh, I have no interest in it whatsoever. So yeah. Uh, sorry, Barry Jenkins, you got to uh, find get, get grab my interest some other way. Mm-hmm. Okay. And finally, um, we are going to be seeing a left-wing competitor to Prague at you. Yes, we uh, are, which I actually did see the tweet of it, and I'm like, wait, what? Uh, so yeah, for those who don't know, Prager University is... Uh, well, university, quote-unquote. 
yeah, a university, quote unquote. It's essentially a YouTube channel for featuring many guests, uh, mostly Republicans, discussing about various things like abortion and feminists and, um, you know, all this kind of stuff. And a lot of people don't like PragerU. Like, well, they don't. It's not just that they don't like it. It's just that like the, the, most of the videos are, fact. So in some cases, are actually uh, really uh, slanted towards uh, right-wing conservatism. And some of them are just flat-out wrong. You know, yeah, like, and, and, and yeah, exactly. But yet at the same time, they get millions of views. And according to what the video that we saw discussing about, oh, you know, we are going to, you know, be the other version of PragerU, but except we're going to go into the left side. They said that one in three people actually believe in what PragerU says. Well, yeah, because if you look at how PragerU videos are set up, I mean, it's it's completely a uh, an Adobe Flash, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, there's a reason why people go to Newgrounds. You know, like, uh, they want to see, like, uh, you know, they've the, got flashy animations and things like that. And uh, also, it has some, like, fun interactivity with it, too. And so, I mean, if anything, they, you know, they've basically taken the Newgrounds model and basically turned it into a political thing, if anything. So, yeah. um, I mean, so I'll give you an example. So, they'll have, like, flashy graphics, like, on a video. And then, basically, they'll have, uh, they'll have basically, a like, say, for example, Ben Shapiro or, like, someone... You know, uh, you know, who's quite unlikable. You know, in, in real life, uh, and they'll basically have them on there, looking, you know, sounding confident, and being uh, talking confident, and things like that. Oh, by the way, you know, fucking Dave Rubin's on this uh, fucking thing as well. So, like, that's how that's how that's how that's how brainless this whole thing, you know, this whole PragerU operation actually is. So, but the thing is that it's uh, it's colorful, it's uh, it's engaging, it's um, the people on there, you know, are basically, you know, are basically hundred, you know, really good bullshit artists in uh, what they produce so unfortunately that will garner eyeballs and that will make people you know think about that oh hey maybe what this person is going to be you know it's, it's basically um style over substance that's basically yeah what I mean, here's the thing it's if, if first of all it's short which means that you can be able to listen to one and you know go uh you know be on the go really quickly um it has animation and it, you know, it claims to know about this because, you know, they bring in, you know, all of these professors and all of these higher, um, you know, intelligent people to discuss about these serious matters. And people are like, oh, they, they you know, I'm going to listen to them because, it, you know, they sound like they know what they're talking about. But then, you know, we have uh, this announcement. So uh, there's going to be a new YouTube channel called Gravel Institute. And Gravel Institute is going to be essentially the anti-PragerU, and which are going to, you know, it's going to be something similar. Yeah, which, which be- I think I'll just stop you there just for a second because that's not a great way to advertise yourself, to be quite honest with you. It's like, you know, uh, okay, here's this bullshit YouTube channel, which, uh, you know, it basically churns out all these, uh, you know, uh, misleading claims and things like that. Okay, let's do the left-wing version of that. And like it's just it's uh, I'm I'm not saying that that's basically what they're going to do, but it's just it's just the way that it's advertised on Twitter. Sure, you know, it, I, I, it's, I, I, it's not a great way to start. I mean, my way of going about it would be uh, not to say, "Oh, hey, we're going to do a left-wing counterpart to PragerU." We're basically going to uh, do a. We're basically going to take the claims that PragerU basically make, and uh, we're basically going to make our own informative videos. I'm going to basically going to turn out why why you might think this way and why it's wrong, and here's our perspective on that. You know, like they they need to do a better way of they need to do something better of selling this. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, and like uh, you know, like the whole video is cute, 
and uh, I'm not going to lie, it's uh, it is uh, it is as, as engaging as the uh, the PragerU content. But will it get the spread? Because I guarantee you this. Unfortunately, this is um, something that I've had to deal with over the last four years. Is that unfortunately some people are more um, uh, some people are more swayed by an, uh, a, a reassuring lie than an inconvenient truth. That is the sad thing, but unfortunately, you're right. It is true. Mm-hmm. And with that, that's the end of our show. So Yeah. Uh, cool. Okay. So, everybody, thank you very much for checking us out. And uh, just to check out for the your alerts on your podcast networks when you uh, listen to the Arrow Message Show feed, because uh, Aaron and Patricia will be moving on to its own feed very soon, and the Arrow Message Show will be returning this Wednesday. So, And this Wednesday will be the Hey Arnold anniversary show with my guest, Craig Barlett. We are going to talk about the Rugrats. We're going to talk about Hey Arnold. We're going to talk about Hey Arnold, the Jungle Movie. We're going to talk about the Patakis. We're going to talk about Hey Arnold Season 6. We're going to talk about uh, also some other business as well. And so we are going to be asking your questions and uh, the first uh, preview of the episode is going to be on Twitch this Tuesday evening. So uh, if you're going to be li- if you're going to be around that evening and uh, you want to check it out before it goes out on the podcast feed, then you're welcome to check me out on Twitch and also follow me on Twitch as well when you get the moment. So thank you very much, guys, for this show. Uh, do appreciate it, and also for so from me, Aaron and Patricia. Take care and bye bye for now. See you later. <laughs>